You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football at SportingNews.com. So come over to Sporting News. We've got all the week two fallout, the week three look ahead there with the early rankings, pickups, uh, waiver wire, and we'll get more into that later this week. And I'm pleased to announce our completed new lineup for the week with our guests now guests all four shows here in locked on fantasy football we've got uh, tom kessnich later will join the show and uh, he's of high stakes fantasy and nffc so we'll have some high stakes takeaways there from the five most intriguing matchups here of both sides of that what we do break down here on roundup monday look at uh, both sides of every game that just happened uh, going into Monday night. So 15 games to talk about here. He'll be here later in the show to break us down five of those matchups on both teams. Tomorrow we'll come back with Eric Edholm to help you with your waiver wire claims there on Tuesday. And uh, we'll dive into uh, matchup focused with Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus and then lineup focused with Tyler Lochner, Pro Football Focus. So that's our all-star lineup every week here. And uh, Experts Edition upgrade is complete. So download the show and you'll have the greatest insight from some of the top minds in the business. And I can't wait to take you through the entire season with this. Now, let's dive right in. We have a busy show then. Uh, Thursday night, we'll go back to that. Throwing back to the Bengals and Ravens and what we saw there. The story with there was the Bengals offense looked very good again. Andy Dalton with four touchdown passes. A.J. Green with three in the first half. And Tyler Boyd also effective again out of slot. So uh, John Ross, there's been a lot of buzz about him, but Tyler Boyd more effective there in the slot. So Green, we know, can explode for a big game with Dalton from time to time. There's no Jimmy Smith there. He tends to play very well against the Ravens, so exploded for a big, big game, big half really there. Not a lot of volume, but didn't need it when he was finishing drives. And Joe Mixon got hurt here with the knee injury, found out later that he needs a procedure to help clean things up. So out maybe a game, maybe two there for Mixon. So Gio Bernard needs to be on in all formats. But I will caution that Mark Walton is going to be active, the rookie there, and see some touches. So that's going to be the thing to watch for the Bengals going forward. So... I think in the short term, they'll be fine offensively. Uh, have a tough matchup, however, this week against Carolina. So something to just uh, keep in mind. Maybe not a great time to plug and play Bernard against that run defense, even though it struggled there against Tevin Coleman. On the Ravens' side of things, uh, we wanted to see a little bit more of uh, Alex Collins. Unfortunately, they keep putting in Buck Allen. He had the short touchdown, only six carries for eight yards there. Five for 36 in the passing game, but Collins was actually better in both capacities. But... Continued to try to get Buck Allen touches his mistake, but John Brown still looking good. That chemistry with Joe Flacco, another good game for him. Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed had some catches, but John Brown, 4 for 92 on a touchdown on 10 targets. Kind of the Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden role of the past. It's been very productive there at a high level. Jeremy Macklin couldn't quite live up to that, but John Brown certainly is doing that as that speed 
threat receiver and Joe Flacco loves throwing there. Our next game that we look at is the Browns and Saints as we flip to Sunday's 1 p.m. action. And with the Browns, uh, Tyrod Taylor did some running around, had a little bit of production there, 246 yards, long TD. The takeaway here is Antonio Callaway. Josh Gordon, before the game, that was the big news that they're moving on. Since has been traded to the Patriots, we'll have more on that later and uh, what we think we'll get out of Josh Gordon as a Patriot. But Antonio Callaway steps in, four targets only, but catches three for 81 yards and a TD with 47 yarder there. So Callaway legitimately is going to be involved as a number two receiver behind Jarvis Landry, who was solid in this game, five for 69. But Callaway needs to be owned in all formats. His team is going to be throwing quite a bit here as well. So Antonio Callaway, the story there, stepping in for Gordon, being productive, making a big play. That's part of the reason they felt a little bit more comfortable moving away from Gordon. Alvin Kamara owners were a little bit disappointed here after the monster game. He still ended up with 90 nine yards from scrimmage and six catches a very good ppr but the story is michael thomas he's just been a possession receiver machine here 12 catches 89 yards two more tds so first two weeks he's just been racking up the catches here and the saints defense uh played a little bit better in this one but still the volume from breeze to thomas and uh thomas is going to be locked in as a wide receiver one every week that makes it harder to trust other guys in this offense all around. But uh, Thomas and Kamara still your weekly plays as well as Drew Brees. Still need to see a little bit more from Benjamin Watson. Only three catches for 19 yards before we trust him in any matchup. Our next game, as we stay at 1 p.m. window, is the Bills and the Chargers. And the Bills' takeaway here is everything the offense stinks. Josh Allen played. He did wake up Kelvin Benjamin and get him into the end zone. But LaShawn McCoy still looking ineffective behind that, that line. 13 touches for 68 yards and came out of the game with a rib injury. So Chris Ivory came in and uh, did a little bit of damage. Two carries for minus seven, but gets a TD as well as a one catch for 30 yards so if, uh, McCoy has to miss time you have to look at Ivory even though he's not the most exciting pick he's going to be the source of maybe the short touchdowns and you know there's gonna be some garbage to be had with the Bills late in games they didn't get in week one but Josh Allen is an upgrade over Nathan Peterman is going to give you that opportunity for the Chargers Phillip Rivers kept dealing 256 yard three TDs he looks fantastic here Mike Williams, again, that one-trick TD guy, did score on two of his targets, two for 27 in that score. Melvin Gordon, a little banged up at the end of this one. The volume wasn't high, but he still got in the end zone three times. So that's the thing about Gordon. He's not particularly explosive, but he's going to get the volume and score, and that's what you saw. And if Gordon, if they limit him a little bit, it looks like Austin Eckler in general is going to be involved. Second straight game where he's been a playable flex player here with Gordon. So Eckler should be owned in all leagues. He had to... 98 yards here on 14 touches. Uh, Gordon had only 64 yards, but the three TDs there. So he's a TD guy. Eckler can have value as a flex player, especially in PPR leagues. Our next game that we'll look at here before we get in the big games with Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy is the Colts Redskins. And uh, this one was a bit disappointing here for sure if you were Redskins owning guy here or gal 292 yards from alex smith and uh 14 rushing yards but zero tds a bizarre game to throw for that many yards and not have a td at all uh they couldn't find the end zone with anybody that really 
Chris Thompson, the only reliable source here, 13 catches for 92, great in the PPR. He was pretty much the Chris Thompson offense, not else. I thought they should get Jamison Crowder more involved. They did give him two rushes for 29 yards. He ended up as a leading rusher, which is sad for Adrian Peterson. So Peterson fell back down to earth. Redskins offense, tough to trust here going forward, but I think this was just a bad game against a very bad defense. Very inexplicable here and going forward, hope for better days. Eric Ebron found the end zone again, so he's looking viable. Jack Doyle just not the same. The targets were similar, four to five. So Ebron jumping there over Doyle because of that scoring potential. And T.Y. Hilton just looks solid in this offense. A short touchdown, seven catches for 83 yards. So Andrew Luck is back. He's solid. Uh, had two picks in this game, only 179 yards passing. But you're looking for those two TDs, and Andrew Luck, Luck looks like a good source of those, especially because they can't run it in. They were able to run it in once here with Neheim Hines, but not a regular source of production there. Our next game we'll look at at the 1 p.m. window was Miami and the Jets. And uh, with this particular matchup, uh, not much to see here. Ryan Tannehill was solid, not high volume. Four sacks, had two inters, two touchdowns there. Kenny Drake was solid, uh, 11 carries for 53 yards, but needed the TD to be effective there. Frank Gore did some good running. He's still getting involved here with the touches. Uh, if you look at Drake getting 15, Gore getting 9, that's... Kind of what's happening with uh, Kalen Balaj uh, being sidelined. This receiving core, extremely hard to trust. Last week it was Kenny Stills. He goes 2 for 17 here. This week was a Albert Wilson day, 3 for 37 in a TD. So just nothing to trust. And A.J. Derby had the TD, not Mike Gesicki. So just nothing to like about the Dolphins offense except for Drake right now that you can really count on. On the other side of things with the Jets, uh, 334 yards from Sander Arnold. Did have a touchdown, but threw two picks. Not as good game as the... First one overall, but Quincy Noon was solid again. He's the go-to guy. Seven catches for 92. Isaiah Crowell, we like to match up, but the Dolphins' run defense has been better than expected here with their linebacker issues. And uh, Crowell was bottled up 12 for 35 as Bill Powell taking a long reception to the house here. 74 yards and a TD as well, six receptions. So I have to think about game flow and getting Crowell involved. They were playing with a big lead ahead in Detroit and worked out. They were trailing here, and Powell was the guy that's hard to determine from week to week and can be a source of frustration. The next game we will look at here at the 1 o'clock window is the Falcons and Panthers. And we look at this game, and Cam Newton, solid game, 335 yards, 3 TDs, going back and forth. Christian McCaffrey, 14 reception, 102 yards, as well as 37 yards rushing so they really couldn't run the ball effectively it was newton mccaffrey mix this takeaway here is dj moore they gave him one shot to play two targets he turned it into a 51 yard touchdown they've said already ron rivera coming out of this game how could you not that dj moore needs to be a bigger part of this offense going forward without uh having the services curtis samuel for now demir bird is down and then we know uh, greg olson is down so they need someone to step up there Devin Funches was solid, 7 for 77, but I expect more to cut in more to that. And Darius Wright, still valuable in PPR, had a touchdown here, five catches for 62. So Wright could have a little bit more value as well as more than we think, and that could cut in a little bit to Funches, especially in a standard league play. Matt Ryan, we liked him this week. We didn't think it was going to come this way. Two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, 272 for Matt Ryan. Speaking of rookie wide receivers, they got Calvin Ridley involved, and boom, he scores a touchdown. Five targets, catches four for 64 yards and a TD. So Ridley back in use as a viable player for the Falcons here. And uh, Julio Jones, that's 
going to be the detriment there. If you're going to double Julio Jones and Ridley's good, you're not going to force it to Julio Jones, and that really helped here, especially when the red zone was not working. So Austin Hooper gets the other touchdown. So Julio Jones, definitely a disappointment here. Tevin Coleman, what can you say? It looks like uh, Devonta Freeman's going to be out for a while. You can't get much better. except You could get a touchdown, but 20 touches, what you're looking for, 125 yards. So a very uh, good spot there for Tevin Coleman, and he definitely came through big time, and he's going to continue to do that behind this very good run-blocking line for Atlanta. Our last 1 o'clock game before we uh, talk to Tom and uh, get his thoughts on the marquee matchups here in this uh, window and the primetime window as well. You look at uh, the Titans and Texans. This was not much to see here, except Deshaun Watson got you to 310 yards. The two TDs did have an interception there, but made up for it. And how with the 44 yards rushing there, so erase the interception. Still not looking good behind this offensive line, but Will Fuller, having Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins helps because both these guys had very similar games, eight, for 113 on nine targets and a TD for Fuller. And it, you had Hopkins six for 110 on 11 targets. So still the connection, still timing is working on coming back from the injury. But Will, Fuller and Hopkins, when those guys are good together, Watson is typically good, and that's what you're seeing here. So hopefully those guys will stay healthy, came into the game, both banged up, but played a big, big role. And they didn't really have anyone else with Sammy Coates and Kiki Kuti banged up. It was the Fuller and Hopkins show there. The Titans, uh, Blaine Gabbard started, so that pretty much dragged down all the value. Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis were limited in the running game without Taylor Lewan joining Jack Conklin on the shelf. The biggest play here was a fake punt. The defense of the Titans played very well here with four sacks of pick, had that uh, special teams play, so a good viable op- option there. Joni Smith did play a lot, but just not a connection there with uh, Gabbard. Let's hope that uh, Marcus Mariota comes back to really help that young tight end filling in for Delaney Walker there. But uh, overall, the Titans kind of grinded this game out, didn't need too much, and uh, it was uh, not the box score you expect when the Marcus Merritt is in there and when the offensive linemen are there. So tough break for Henry Lewis. Hopefully Luan is cleared and come back at left tackle to help that running game, and uh, Conklin is on his way back soon because those would be huge additions for this team. Now, ever since I started doing this podcast, people have been asking, who do I like to win this week? I have those picks up at Sporting News against the spread every week. And I look at it and uh, you look at the games, but where you're betting on is just as important as what teams you're betting on. And uh, that's why I tell people to go to my bookie. They've been in this business for years, have great reviews online, and they have a mobile site that's easy to use. And uh, you have to make your way to my bookie because when you play and win, they pay right away. The live in-game betting includes over-unders on fancy points scored by individual players and for you as the player, the most rewarding perks in the business. And my bookie is uh, getting a lot of new action there. And uh, the best news of all is that you can join my bookie now and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar there. So great deal there all you have to do is use the promo code locked on 25 that's locked on 25 and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar there great deal you won't get any better than that visit my booking online today and uh, take your action there and don't forget to use the promo code locked on 25 when creating your account to claim up to a thousand dollars in free play and uh 
Take advantage of that. Go to MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Use that promo code LOCKEDON25. When we get back, we'll uh, talk to Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to uh, rev it up with the five biggest matchups of the week. Joining me now for the High Stakes Takeaway segment of Roundup Mondays, I'm excited to announce that he'll be joining us here going forward to break down what we just saw in the NFL is uh, Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy. How's it going, Tom? Doing good, Vinny. Uh, coming off an exciting uh, week two on Sunday, a lot of great scoring, a lot of points through the roof, so it looks like we're going to have a, a pretty exciting fantasy season. I think that's good news for everybody. Yeah, that's good news, and we actually had another tie, the second tie of the season here. Crazy to think that, but it was a high-scoring tie, so we'll take that in fantasy. Not as big as numbers there for Aaron Rodgers, but he played. That was the biggest thing. It's 29-29 Vikings and Packers, and when I'm looking at this game, I think the biggest thing I'm looking at, uh, starting with the Vikings side, is that Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen were pretty darn good with Case Keenum last year. I think they're hitting a whole nother level with Kirk Cousins. Is that what you've kind of seen here so far? Yeah, and definitely our high-stakes owners were kind of tuned into that. Both of those guys were moving into the early third round, even late second round in, in a lot of our drafts as we got closer to the start of the season. I think they were definitely thinking that the addition of Cousins over Keenan was going to be a good good situation for both those receivers. It certainly has been to this point. You're talking about two guys who are top ten in NFFC scoring and PPR scoring right now. And I think it's just going to get better. I mean, Delvin Cook is going to get better. He's he's had a little bit of trouble getting going. I mean, the first two teams they played pretty solid against run. The, the one thing the Packers do defensively pretty decently is defend the run. They're horrific against the pass, but they are pretty solid up front against the run. So they bottled Cook up a little bit. So I think once Delvin Cook gets going more, you know, it just bodes well. I think this offense has a lot of upside, but certainly we're seeing it with the two main wide receivers right now, Diggs and Thielen. Yeah, the other side of things, the Packers, like I said, Rodgers plays. It's not the biggest game for him in the world. They had some other sources of scoring there to help them in this one. But the biggest thing I'm looking at is Aaron Jones is coming back. He's ready to come back. Jamal Williams, I just have not seen much here where – I think that if Jones gets an opportunity here, and I expect him to get some touches uh, pretty soon, that he could uh, take this job away from uh, Williams pretty easily. Well, here's the thing I'll say about that, you know, Vinny, is there's no question Aaron Jones is the more explosive back. There's no denying that. Everybody would agree with that. The thing is, though, he has not proven that he can be trustworthy. He hasn't been able to stay on the field for a number of reasons. Injuries, obviously the suspension to begin this season – he was hurt in the preseason and during training camp. So this is a guy who has not proven to be trustworthy. If he can be trustworthy and that explosiveness shows up, yes, I think the opportunity is there. But the other thing I'll point out is with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, pass protection becomes even more important. It always was important. You want to protect Aaron Rodgers, but it's really important now. And the one thing Jamal Williams does far better than Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery is pass protection. He is superb at that. I would tell you to go back and watch the 51-yard completion of Devontae Adams in week one against the Bears. That play doesn't happen if Jamal Williams doesn't make a tremendous blitz pickup. So he's not he's gonna stay out there. Okay? He's not going away. And I, I just I urge caution to people who think, oh, Aaron Jones is gonna be the savior. 
I don't think he's going to be because I don't think Jamal Williams is going to go away. And as long as Ty Montgomery is healthy, they're going to find spots for him as well. So it's a clouded backfield for sure. Could Aaron Jones make an impact? Yes, I think he has the talent to do it. But I don't see him becoming a 15 to 20 touch guy in this offense. I just don't. Yeah, we'll see that going forward as well. It can be a frustrating situation there until they can get it going with someone in that backfield. Uh, Another marquee game of Sunday week two was the Patriots and Jaguars. And we can throw a lot out about the Patriots because we just had some breaking news with Josh Gordon now entering this mix. We know Chris Hogan had the two touchdowns. Not a lot of volume there, but tough matchup came through. Robert Gronkowski was shut down. Now, I think I have to ask you, what do you expect from Josh Gordon and how is he going to change up this mix and how you trust everyone else with the trickle-down effect? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. We just don't know with Josh Gordon, right? I mean, we all know the talent. It, that's been obvious. But there's another guy you can't trust to stay on the field. I mean, he just has not been trustworthy. And, I, you know, if, if the reports of the rumors are true that there was a bit of a relapse with his personal situation, that doesn't bode well. So... I'm not overly excited. Could it work? Yeah, it could. But I think there's a greater chance that this is Chad Johnson redo than it is Randy Moss redo, okay? I think that I still think that the primary weapons in this passing game in a couple of weeks will be Julian Edelman, Gronkowski, James White, Chris Hogan. And if Gordon can prove he can stay on the field, can he help? Absolutely. They'll take advantage of that. But we've seen plenty of guys go through here. You know, Kenny Britt's an example of a talented player who just couldn't figure it out there. So, I, I, again, I urge caution here with Josh Gordon. I just urge caution. Yeah, on the other side of things, the Jaguars play an excellent game there. Blake Bortles uh, helped whoever played him this week in uh, maybe a deep play in DFS or in a 2QB league. He was outstanding. Uh, the receiving core, I think this is going to be a little bit of a challenge from week in and week out. Everyone kind of produced in this one with uh, some big plays and scores, but – D.D. Westbrook is the question. I know Keelan Cole is playing out there and well, but do you think this is a Jaguars offense that can sustain a number two wide receiver uh, producing consistently? I'm not sure it can sustain number one wide receiver producing <laughs> consistently. Keep in mind, when Hunter Fournette is healthy, he's the focal point of that offense. He's going to get 20-plus touches every week he's out there. So that they're a different offense when he's not out there. Are they a little looser in doing Maybe they are, but... You know, they're, they're not giving T.J. Yeldon 25 touches. You know, that's not happening. So I think they're a different offense when he's not out there. There may be more passing opportunities when he's not out there. I mean, go back, you know, in, in the first half of last week's game before he got hurt, it's not like any receiver was blowing up. So I, I, I like what I saw from Keelan. I mean, it was possible not to like what you saw from Keelan Cole yesterday. There are other guys there. Moncrief's always been a guy that I've been fascinated with in terms of his talent, Westbrook. Yeah, but are there consistent options there? I'm not so sure there are, especially if Fournette can stay healthy. Now, if Fournette, if that hammy proves to be a long-term issue, then yes, then I think the passing game becomes a little more interesting. Yeah, one game where there was a lot of passing explosion was the Steelers and Chiefs, and that kind of played out the way we thought, maybe a lot bigger for Patrick Mahomes than we thought. That Kareem Hunt actually look a little bit more involved this week and, and scored a touchdown there in the passing game, and you had Travis Kelsey wake up and score a couple touchdowns. Is this going to continue here with the Chiefs? It just seems like everything is in sync and everyone's doing big things here. 
Wait, are you asking if Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 80 touchdown passes without <laughs> an interception? Because that's the pace he's on right now. I, I, I think there's going to be regression, but I thought there'd be regression, you know, a little bit this week. And he went out and threw two more touchdowns than he threw in week one. I mean, he is rolling right now, and there's no denying the weapons here, right? They, they clearly have a ton of talent on offense. Andy Reid has always been an offensive-minded head coach. He's got, you know, we, we can all pick some some things with Andy over the years. But generally speaking, he knows how to put points on the board with his offense. And I like Mahomes a lot. I think he's very talented. So you would think there's going to be some regression here, but they are cooking right now. And they are a very difficult team to try to defend and match up against because they can come at you from so many different directions. They can hit you with the run game with Hunt, and they can hit you with a multitude of, of options in the passing game. So I while I would expect regression, I also think you're going to see a lot of production here. This is certainly an offense that if you're in a season-long league, you're going to want to – hopefully you've got some exposure to it. you got something somewhere because there's going to be points. If you're playing DFS, you know, the price tags are going to be what they are. But on a weekly basis, you're probably going to be pretty safe you know, playing at least one of those guys. I think I'm okay if Patrick Mahomes regresses to 250 yards and three touchdowns every week. That would be totally fine with me, and uh, we would go from there. Uh, the Steelers-Chiefs game, Antonio Brown disappointment there because he was in and out with an injury there in the game. But, yeah, Jesse James show up and have a big game. Once in a while he does this in certain matchups and uh, comes out there, but Vance McDonald was also active do you trust any of these uh, tight ends going forward, especially if they're going to be more involved in the offense? Uh, no, not as consistent scores. I mean, certainly the matchup yesterday was golden. The Chiefs' defense is pretty awful. Um, so, but were you? I don't know how many people were rushing Jesse James in any lineups yesterday. So, I think that was a bit of a surprise. I, I don't think, especially. I mean, assuming Le'Veon Bell shows up at some point. We know who the focal points are going to be in the passing game. It's still going to be the running back, and it's going to be those two great receivers. So if you've got a potential shootout again, you know, if, you got, if the Steelers have another matchup against a defense that, that just doesn't play defense, maybe take a shot with Jesse James there. But is he somebody I'd want to be starting on a weekly basis? No, not. I mean, I'd have to be in a super deep league to be considering it. Yeah, and you look at those Steelers uh... – Shootout this week against the Chiefs. They're playing the Bucks, and the Bucks win again here with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the most impressive quarterback in the league after Patrick Mahomes after two weeks here. Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is a hard one because he may not have a job after this week, or he could have a job for longer. But we also know that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, tends to cool down and has had big games in the past and uh, can revert to just being Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he, he's certainly not – put games like these past two together very often back-to-back, but he has played well at various times in his career. That's why he's been around for so long. And But he also implodes. He always implodes. So I think if you're Tampa Bay, you understand there's probably an implosion coming, okay? So the question is, when do you think it happens? Can you get out of the way before it happens by putting Winston back, or do you just ride this wave for as long as you can? And they're not really running the ball very well, so you would think there's going to be a, a lot of passing here on, with this offense. They got certainly get, they have tremendous weapons. They're another team that has tremendous weapons in the passing game. So, I, I you know, Fitzpatrick's an interesting guy because you know he can play well, but you also know 
he could go out there tomorrow and throw for 100 yards and five interceptions. I mean, that's just who he's always been. And I think at this point in his career, it's kind of difficult to say, you know, 13 years of who you've been are suddenly going to go away. I think at some point that implosion is coming. Yeah, and the other side, the Eagles, we know there's a quarterback change coming there. Carson Wentz cleared, and he will return here against the Colts at home in week three. And they kind of need him because his offense has looked up and down with Nick Foles, has some issues there with Alshon Jeffrey, who may be on his uh, way back here soon. I think Carson Wentz, uh, Colts, great matchup. Uh, would you go ahead and plug him in right away? I know this uh, receiving core is hurting, but they still have guys who can produce, and it looks like uh, – Corey Clement could be a big part of the offense again with Darren Sproles hurting. Yeah, I mean, it certainly depends on your options. I mean, if you, if you got Wentz and you back him up with Mahomes, you're probably, you know, feeling okay about waiting on Carson Wentz a little bit. But, I mean, it's a good matchup. Alex Smith certainly didn't take advantage of it yesterday, but I, I don't think the Colts' defense is all that good. I think you can throw on them. I, you know, to me, they're not playing Carson Wentz unless they're, they're completely convinced he's ready to go. So if they're convinced he's ready to go, I'm going to roll him out there because we know how good he is. And, you know, he, he would have been the MVP last season without question had he not gotten hurt. So I'll bank on that, assuming I need him. Again, if I don't need him, I could probably play a waiting game for a week just to see. But this is, on paper, this is a promising matchup. We'll see if he gets Alshon Jeffrey back this week. That certainly would help a lot. But he still has Aguilar. He still has Ertz. He's still got Clement out of the backfield. So he's got some options here. So yeah, the bottom line is if I need Carson Wentz this week, I'm going to start him. The matchup's too appealing. All right, uh, Tom, we've got one more game to look at from uh, week two while you're here. The Lions 49ers. And the story for me on the San Francisco side, Matt Breida. Yeah. He's, he's been touted as the Tevin Coleman of this Kyle Shanahan version of this offense. Well, Alfred Morris, I think it's going to be less touches for him going forward. Matt Breida with the long touchdown run there, looking like the back that can really excel in Kyle Shan's offense. And the reason they uh, kept him as an undrafted free agent last year. Yeah, I mean, if he's a Tevin Coleman, Alfred Morris is definitely not the Devontae Freeman. So even hurt Devontae Freeman's better running back than Alfred Morris is. So the thing that impressed me about, I agree, I agree with you, Breida is definitely the takeaway from this offense. No question about it. I think Garoppolo's been okay. I don't think he's been that great. You know, that was a bad defense he played yesterday, and he didn't exactly light him up. So he's been he's been fine, but he hasn't been spectacular. But Brita has been very impressive. And, and what stood out to me was when they were playing from the front in the second half yesterday, they were going with Brita. They really weren't going with Alfred Morris, who you would kind of look at and say, well, yeah, he'll be the closer guy. But he wasn't. It was Brita. So he's clearly the dominant player here in this backfield. Morris is more of a spot guy. He did catch a couple of passes yesterday, which is you know out of uh, the norm for him. But Breida is definitely the guy here. He would be, at this time, with Marquise Goodwin still hurt, he'd be the one guy that I'd be looking at in this offense saying, yeah, I'm, I'm good with him on a weekly basis. Because, I mean, I mean, even George Kittle came up real small yesterday. Yeah, and on the Lions side of things, uh, this is one of the reasons I think I shied away from Marvin Jones in a lot of draft. He did end up scoring in this game, but Kenny Galladay, using those consistent three wide receiver sets, Galladay's come out here with uh, two pretty good games here. I don't think he's going away as a factor, given how much the Lions are going to need to throw the ball and have those consistent three wide receivers. Yeah, no, I don't think he's either. He's got all the physical tools you want, so he's going to stay on the field. And here's the thing about the Lions. They can't run the ball, right? And their defense stinks. 
So what does that mean? It means Matthew Stafford's going to be chucking it a lot every single game. So that's good news for Galladay, even if he's not, quote-unquote, a starter. Golden Tate, he's locked in. He got a million targets yesterday. And don't sleep on Theo Riddick. I know everybody's excited about Karrion Johnson, and he's looked pretty good, but Theo Riddick is still exceptional in the passing game. And he's got 14 receptions already in the first two weeks. He is very, very viable as an RB3 in PPR. And again, I think they're going to be throwing it a ton. I would expect them They play Sunday night against New England. I would expect the Patriots to put up a lot of points. So they're going to be throwing it again. So I'm all in with Tate and Galladay and Riddick and Stafford. All right, Tom. Well, that was a lot and uh, great advice there for everyone listening. And uh, check out uh, Tom. And uh, Tom, what's the best place to read your work? And uh, what do you have working on there the bigger picture? Well, you can follow me on Twitter, at Tom Kesnick. So hopefully you check it out. I, I definitely tweet a lot during the football season, so you, you, won't, uh, you won't miss me. Uh, as far as what we got with the NFFC, we, what we have really cool this year is a $50 fanball DFS contest. Every week we run it. You can go to our message boards at playnffc.com. Go to the message boards. We post the link usually on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. You can sign up for that for $50, and the first place prize is a free entry for $1,600 into one of our main events next year, either the primetime or our 14-team classic. So it's a great contest. It's a great way to earn entry into one of our main events and have some fun playing some DFS at Fanball. So, again, just go to our website at playnffc.com. Again, usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays, we'll post the new link, sign up, get in a contest, and, and have some fun in DFS with Fanball with us and, and hopefully win and get into a main event with us in the NFFC next year. Yeah, you heard him, guys and gals. Go do that now and uh, take advantage of that and win some money. It's big, and the high stakes is what it's all about here. So, Tom, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week uh, coming out of week three. All right. Thanks, Benny. Thanks again to uh, Tom Kesnick for joining us and giving us great insight. And uh, you want to get into that game as well if you're into a big fantasy. And I think the best thing also is uh, if you're getting into fantasy games, uh, sometimes it's great to check out your guys in person. And uh, I can't recommend a better spot than Vivid Seats. And uh, you can uh, get a great deal if you're spending 200 or more dollars on your ticket they're just a great place that's going to get your online event uh, tickets in the right way and uh, the best thing is you can uh, watch your favorite teams perform in person it's no better way to take in a game uh, you can find the best seats to anything whether it's a sporting event nfl game a concert uh, theater tickets uh, they'll take care of you at vivid seats and the prices are great, and it's an easy purchasing experience there. And now, with the promo code locked on, listeners can receive 20% off orders of $200 or more. That's right. If you listen to the show, take advantage of that. And uh, it's very easy to also get into Vivid Seats with your app and your phone. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seat app, enter that promo code locked on to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. The best thing about Vivid Seats. As you're saving the money, they're backed by 100% guarantee all their seats. So go to Vivid Seats, get that app, and use promo code Locked On and save that 20 bucks and enjoy the show. 
let's wrap up here with a look at our final few games of Thursday, Sunday action in week two. We go to the Rams and Cardinals. This one is pretty easy. It goes all Rams, 34-0. The Cardinals' offense in dysfunction. We don't look like we're going to get Josh Rosen yet. Sam Bradford has been awful for two straight weeks. They've admitted they haven't done enough with David Johnson. and only had 13 carries for 48 yards on that side. One catch for three yards. That's unacceptable when you have a player that good. Larry Fitzgerald bottled up. They're trying to move him around, but tough matchup outside against the Rams' corner. And uh, just the game flow and uh, Bradford being awful really hurt him. So they got to get Johnson more involved. I think you're going to see that going forward. He's their best player. He should be touching the ball a lot more than 14 times, especially in a game that they're trailing 34 to nothing uh, in the end. So Cardinals, let's hope uh, for the better things there. But right now, Johnson and Fitzgerald, you're just hoping that they'll make some changes here to make it better, including Rosen. Our Look at the Rams. Pretty much, what can you say about the Rams? Todd Gurley's a beast. He only had 42 yards rushing. It was a tough, hot conditions there. But three TDs for Todd Gurley. They're 31 yards receiving as well. Kind of pulled out late in the game. It was a little bit wearing down in Los Angeles. So they had to protect him, which was good for future weeks. And uh, Brandon Cooks, we were waiting for this explosion. It comes in week two. Seven catches, 159 yards on nine targets. So he's clearly the number one. Robert Woods, solid in PPR. Six catches for 81 on nine targets. Cooper Cup, another solid PPR game as well. Six for 63 on six. But... Cooks is still definitely the number one option here. And uh, Jared Goff, hard to own from week to week when they're running so easily and scoring. Still got a touchdown here, threw for 354, but only one interception. So be wary of uh, Jared Goff that his ceiling might be limited in uh, games, in particular when uh, they're having a good control there. Our next game is the uh, Raiders and Broncos. And uh, with this one, uh, you look at the Raiders, uh, Derek Carr played well. He was very efficient, 29 of 32, 288 yards, had a TD there, and went to a Seth Roberts, unfortunately. But Amari Cooper came back to life, caught all of his targets, breaking news, 116 yards, 10 targets, caught them all, 116. Jared Cook went back to doing nothing, so they realized they needed to have Cooper do much. Four for 49 for Jared Cook on four targets. So uh, they're realizing this offense really is about Cooper and Marshawn Lynch, and Lynch... Didn't look great with yards per carry, but still 18 for 65 and a TD. 7 for 24 there for Martin. So Doug Martin still a second fiddle to Marshawn Lynch. Lynch got a little bit more in the pass game. Jalen Richard not used at all. So trying to push this offense more through the principles of Lynch and Cooper, and that's good for both of their fantasy values. And the Broncos side of things, they win the game 20-19. to 19. Case Keenum just looks ugly out there, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Disappointing as a streamer option for sure. Philip Lindsay, the show, continues there for the scat back. 15 touches, 14 carries, notably, and one catch for four yards only. But he looked very explosive. Royce Freeman was solid, but he's going to be that power back, goal line back. He got his value there by plunging into the end zone. But Lindsay is definitely the back of choice in most situations, given the game flow. It was trailing, so uh, the Broncos had to use more of Lindsay in this game. you got to hope that they're ahead in some games where Freeman can really dominate or not be in these close games so far i don't think the broncos can escape that emmanuel sanders another solid game caught all of his targets four for 96 yards but Darius thomas struggling again with drops and misconnections with keenan 11 targets but only caught five for 18 so really clunker by Demarius thomas and sanders is definitely looking like uh, keenan's go-to guy there and lindsey 
the backfield guy of choice uh, in most situations, game flu, game flow proof at this point. The final game we'll look at here is the uh, Cowboys and Giants, uh, the Sunday night affair. Uh, Dak Prescott looked a little bit better, but still nothing huge. He did have one TD to go 45 yards rushing and long touchdown to Tavon Austin, but we know that's fluky. Only had two targets, had a 64-yard score, 79 yards total, so fluky, not something you're going to chase. Deontay Thompson was the next receiver there, but Alan Hearns and Michael Gallup, you can give up on them. One catch, nine yards, and two targets for Hearns there. Michael Gallup, one catch for five yards and two targets. So Hearns and Gallup, we're moving on from not looking anything good in this receiving core that you're going to trust right now. Ezekiel Elliott didn't do much as a receiver, but 17 carries, 78 yards, and a TD again. So a solid game from Elliott. Prescott handling the offense better. Helps him in the Cowboys' defense. Six sacks. They show up and really produce here, allow only 13 points to the Giants. Saquon Barkley, a lot of dinking and dunking from Eli Manning with that offensive line having issues. Lost to center John Jalapio. 14 catches for 80 yards. So right there, a monumental uh, PPR game for Barkley. A lot of points just racking up there. Dump-offs to him. He only had 11 carries for 20 yards. But if he's going to be involved in a passing game, he's going to be great, especially in PPR to that level. Odell Beckham Jr. was bottled up well by this underrated Cowboys secondary Four receptions on nine targets, 51 yards. Uh, had a couple shots at a TD, didn't work out. Evan Ingram looked a lot better. Product of the matchup a little bit more. Sterling Shepard didn't look good, but Ingram needs to be more involved. They realized that caught all of his targets, seven for 67 in a TD. So Ingram, it really to me, is that code number two option behind uh, Beckham Jr. with Sterling Shepard. And Shepard just looks okay. Nothing special there in this offense yet with uh, Barkley, Ingram, and Beckham dominating the targets and the shorter passes there from Eli Manning. So there you have it. There's a look uh, with help from Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy of your week two roundup Monday. All the games, both sides, breaking down for you here on the Locked On Network for Locked On Fantasy Football. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this is Vinny Iyer. We'll see you tomorrow for weekly waiver wire talk with Eric Edholm.